Paint pictures of possibilities. Just like an entrepreneur. Paint pictures of possibilities. Tell them what's coming in the next season of life. 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 Yo, yo, yo. What up? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless Podcast, where you will learn the mindset, strategies, and the tactics in order to develop a full-stack life. Hey, what's up, everybody? Sagi here. Um, I'm the host of the show, and today we have a different kind of show. It's a show that I recorded here live in FinCon 2018, and uh, I just uh, met Connie Albers. She was the one that basically kind of uh, recruited us and trained us as volunteers in social media marketing world this year. I just met her here. She has an incredible story. She's actually writing a book right now and um, well, I'll let you hear it. <laughs> we'll talk about, uh, we talked about entrepreneurship, mindset, um, her story coming from Disney and kind of like the mindset that, you know, as working on Disney and training cast members, uh, what it, what, how can it be implied to entrepreneurship and, you know, the Disney brand is amazing in general and uh, holds a lot of inspiration and then we got to talk about the topic of the book she's writing, which is how to raise um, money smart teens in a way and uh, we talked about parenting, I asked her a question about my kids, uh, which are young and uh, <laughs> she, she answered and um, we talked about raising teens responsibly to handle money uh, and we'll just to talk about parenting and entrepreneurship. Great talk, super practical tips for all of you out there who are parents, very important topic to talk about. So enjoy the show. All right, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of the Mindful and Ruthless podcast and this is a live episode that we're recording. Actually, it's not live because it's regular video. We're not transmitting live to Facebook That's like true. the rest of the episode. Um, I got Connie Albers here and Connie is someone that I know from back in social media marketing world. So in social media marketing world, she was in charge of basically the, the volunteers and, and organizing us uh, to, to come and, and, and basically give a hand at the, at the conference. And that's how I, I got to know Connie. Um, and now I'm at FinCon and all of a sudden like I see her here and it was great seeing you and I'm um, happy to have you here. I said um, she's got such an amazing story and such an amazing life that she builds for herself and her family so and you got a book coming out soon so i'm excited to talk to you connie hey thanks for having me it's really a joy to be here we're in orlando florida at a conference together and just to be able to see how uh, no matter where we go we end up connecting through our relationships that we form at a conference all the way out in san diego and here we are across the country in orlando and meeting in real life i love that yeah, it's it's really really great. Like just like you know, out of the blue, and for me being outside the U.S. and now being here, it's like it's amazing. And <laughs> and we here we didn't did we mention the name of the conference? Like it, this is FinCon. Right. FinCon 2018. We're um, like you said, Orlando, Florida, which is your home, uh, your home city. And um, what brings me, which brings me back to basically talking to you about where you first started. Um, let's talk about Disney World. Yes. Well, welcome to the mouse. Uh, this is, it really is for me. It's kind of where I got my beginnings. Uh, I had finished school and I was thinking, what do I want to do next? So I did what most Floridians or Orlandoans do. I went to Disney World. While I was there, I they have a, a 
program called the Walt Disney World Ambassador Program. And that's where you become an actual representative or a spokesperson for the company. And I thought, try out for it. Nobody told me I couldn't, therefore I tried. And I, you know, it's an interview process because it's a job. So I was interviewing to become the Walt Disney World Ambassador. And that was a series of going through all their vice presidents and their directors, and then they selected one ambassador. The fun thing for me is I, be, I, I think there was like uh, thousands and thousands of people that applied for that job. And I became a semifinalist. So I was a top 10. That changed my life, and that really showed me the power of just not being afraid and taking a step, and whether it works or not, keep moving forward with that. And that's kind of where I started. Nice. And can you can you tell me a bit about like your experiences like an ambassador? What does it mean to be an ambassador yeah. of Disney? Well, as you know, and probably most of the world knows, Walt Disney created the theme park out in Disneyland in California. And he wanted a place where families could come together and just kind of like get rid of the cares of the world and enjoy the family. I didn't realize then how impactful that would be all these years later. My job for them entailed giving tours, working with VIPs and dignitaries and celebrities, and really becoming like a spokesperson. I represented the company. After I was a semifinalist, I didn't become the ambassador, but they used me in an ambassador role. And I started traveling the country, speaking, doing radio and television, and bringing magic to millions of people around the world. And it was wonderful. That led me to kind of learn customer service and customer relation and, and putting families and creating moments uh, that families would remember forever. And I fell in love with that. I loved watching families connect and laugh and have fun. And I loved Disney's professionalism about that. Yeah, I mean, I think Disney is a part of our lives in general, like all our lives. I mean, it's a brand that you just can't reckon with. It's like... It's, it's a brand that we all grew up in, no matter where you are in the world, you grew up with Disney. Um, and it's that thing that is always pure and, and funny, like full of, full of joy, full of um, positivity, full of, um, you know, like magic, like you said. And, and like, so we, it, it's kind of like a, it's an, such a strong brand. Like, so being an ambassador of such a brand, I guess your job wasn't that hard in terms of like conveying, um, you know, hey, Disney's great, you know, come have magic moments with your family because, you know, it's like, of course. Um, but you did have to um, learn about storytelling, about um, customer experience, right? I mean, you did learn and, and kind of like you, you had to learn how to do that. Can you explain a bit about that? Well, Disney has a very extensive training program because you are representing that brand. Um, one of the things that I did prior to being uh, the ambassador role was I was I taught I was involved with their training and development. So I helped train what we call cast members. They weren't employees; they're cast members, and they're not customers or clients; they're guests. And how would you greet a guest? You always greet them warmly. Um, how do you treat fellow cast members? You know, they're cast. And it's, you're a cast. You're part of a play. You're, you're on stage. And I will never forget when I would walk out of the wardrobe, because there's a wardrobe area. When I would walk out of the wardrobe, there was a sign that says, Smile. It's, um, smile, it's a nice reflection on you. I never forgot that, because when we go out in the world and we smile at people, it, you evoke 
generosity and, and warmth toward another people and you get that back, that is, that is an important asset that we have in business in general. Once people have found out of my Disney experience, because there is extensive training, you have to learn how to present yourself, how to speak, how to represent a brand, how you put yourself, I mean, whatever problems you have, you leave them in your car. Because the moment you walk on stage, and I say the stage of life, the stage of life, the minute you come into the presence of somebody else, you put your past or your problems or your financial shortfalls or your bad day, that just stays in the car. And you come and you bring the person you're with your best. I love that. I love that. It's, it's so impactful um, just, just seeing a smile, you know, kind of like we are, I know that we are like, you know, physically a reflection of the people that we see. Um, so like if you see someone and like you're walking by someone and they, they smile at you, you smile back automatically. It's kind of like a reflection. Uh, we are that way, you know, on the street. We are that way at home uh, with our relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that kind of like, you know, Disney and you're like saying like, leave those troubles in the car. Right now you're like at the stage of life. I think mm -hmm. I love that idea because it's kind of like, you know, no matter what you have going on, which is bad, it doesn't matter. Like you should play positive should should be be positive um and yeah of course you should take care of your problems but you know when you're right now out there um doing what you're doing you should leave everything behind and just do that um was there like and i remember when, when we came to social media marketing world and you showed the slide presentation like the on the day of the training of the volunteers yes. um i remember you showed the the presentation like a picture of you training cast at disney i remember that and then i'm like oh my god this is perfect of course they brought you to social media marketing world to train us the volunteer because you know it's kind of like it has to do one, one like it's we are greeting the guests yeah. of, of, of the conference and um, I think that's every how every conference yeah, needs to be um, so yeah but I, I bet you a lot like a lot of what we did you brought into social media marketing world in a way right 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 um, I'm glad you picked up on that. One of the things that Social Media Marketing World wants to do is create an experience. Disney creates an experience when you go to Chick-fil-A or other places that focus on an experience. They want it to be memorable. And that's one of the things that I was um, trying to do is, one, make the folks, that the volunteers, feel like they were a part of something. They just weren't there to volunteer. They were part of something bigger, just like with Disney. They're part of something bigger creating an experience and it starts and it starts with just the moment you say hello the the, the first email the first um, welcome you see in person when y'all show up and and in the training training is very important because w how you communicate your message whether it's online through your email through it your business through your you know speaking on stage online on air whether whatever it is you have to portray that um, sense of knowing what you're trying to represent who you represent and how you want to represent them and I love to say when going back to the whole you know leaving your bad day like in your home you just don't take your backpack of a bad day and throw it on somebody else you don't throw it on your spouse you don't throw it on your coworker. you don't throw it on your you know attendees or um, clients you don't you unpack your backpack so that you're able to set the backpack down yeah, I love it. <laughs> and 
in a way, you can think like, you know, if somebody was having a really bad day or like, you know, got, you know, something wrong did to, like, happen to him or her, mm -hmm. um, and they come to Disney, and Disney says, no, you leave that in a car right now or you're in Disney World, <laughs> motherfucker. No, it's kidding. No, like, um, you, you might think it's, it's cruel, but I think as this community is called mindful and ruthless, you have to be ruthless sometimes and you have to be ruthless enough to say, hey, you know, behave. <laughs> we, we need to control ourselves. Like, not as a something to someone else, but we as people need to know how to behave and, um, and kind of like, you know, show positivity. Because when we show negativity, it's just bringing, it's toxic. It's, it is toxic. It just like intoxicates everybody around us. And um, it's the same people that if you're in a workplace are like, um, you know, gossiping in the in the hallways and in the in the kitchen, and it's the same thing when people just like you know, the, like you ask someone, "Hey, how are you today?" And like, "Oh man, really bad." Like you know, da na na na. So it's okay to kind of like share what's going on, but yeah, like bringing positivity and 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 knowing when to sh you know what time, what's the best time to share something negative and how it helps um, someone else. Um, and always thinking about the value that you're giving in any conversation. I think that's something very important. So I, I'm very glad you brought that up. Um, now, just moving on from that and like continuing from Disney, um, how, like after Disney, basically, um, you, you had a major change, right? You can tell us a bit about that. Well, it's hard to walk away from your dream job, but <laughs> I did. Uh, I had gotten married and I decided, my husband and I decided we were going to move. I had also gotten pregnant, and I thought, hmm, I, uh, I had already owned an image consulting business because I have this passion for women, and one of it was that I would always hear women talk about, they'd look in the mirror, and their, and their eyebrow was mm, lower than the other one, or their nose was crooked, or their hair was whatever, and I started to hear these same comments of not being enough, not looking pretty enough. And so I started an image consulting business and I would teach women how to do their hair and their makeup and select the right clothes so that when they stepped out of the bedroom or uh, into the office, they feel good about themselves because there's something about when you feel good about yourself or you look in the mirror and you say, that's not so bad. Then it, it, it just, there's this aura of confidence about you and you carry yourself different. And I love doing that. So I built that business around that. I went to work for Estee Lauder and I started doing, I took the spokesperson, you know, as representing Walt Disney World. I took that um, PR and communication to the women's market and started teaching them inner and outer beauty because you talked about positivity and negativity. Well, you can be positive or you can be negative. And I say, let's, be, let's focus on the inner beauty, yeah. and then let's focus on the outer beauty, and let's make them match. So that when you are talking to somebody, others walk away and go, I really enjoyed talking with that person. Spending time with them just uplifted me, right? Yeah. Uh, so I did that, and I owned my own image consulting business for many years. And then I, as I started having more children, I pivoted again. I think one of the things I love is... The, is mastering the art of the pivot. Uh, oftentimes we start going down a direction and we have an opportunity like my Disney experience. That led to having another experience and another. And as a, an entrepreneur, we, we, it's like adding a tool to our toolbox, right? We don't know exactly what we're going to do with all those tools and we're not gonna use all those tools every single day, but we have them in the toolbox and when the next project comes along, 
because after I started doing that, then I, then I got involved in the education industry, and I started shaping a movement, which I didn't know how to shape a movement, but I was passionate about it. And I said, you know, I have PR skills, I have communication skills, I know how to bring people together. And I started adding more tools to the toolbox. And when you say like adding more tools to the toolbox, I guess like a lot of people um, are keeping on adding some tools to their toolboxes, right? Like, I, and some people um, listening to the podcast are, um, well, they're they're kind of sometimes thinking, where can I take my skills and connect them? How can I connect the dots? Um, so. How did you have the, you know, the kind of like mindset to say, I have this skill, I have that skill, I'll make something out of it and then decide what you want to do? Well, I'm sure your audience, and I know you listening to your story, you were resilient. Sometimes we hit a crisis, we're at rock bottom. Sometimes we have a job loss. Sometimes we have a financial shortfall. And we start thinking, what can I do? What do I actually have? And I love helping people go, all right, I have this skill, I have this strength, I have this talent, and if I put them together in this way, we can move forward. The biggest thing is being resilient. We're all going to have trials. We're all going to have shortfalls. We're all going to fall. We're all going to stumble at some point. The key is assessing, I've got these particular assets. How do I leverage them? in the best possible way. And we all have them. All, everyone in your audience has them. You have them. I've listened to your story. You hit that rock bottom part in your life and you're like, what do I do? You looked around. You saw and asked for people who you saw had certain skills and you asked for help. So that takes a certain amount of humbleness. It takes a certain amount of determination and perseverance, right? Yeah. And you asked for help. And some people will say, no, I can't right now. So you move on. You don't get rejected. You just move on. You say, okay, I will, there will be someone else. And you keep asking and listening to your own story as your audience has heard you. They've watched you evolve. And I just know, you know, you're on your way here. You might have another downturn, but that's okay because you know how to make it go back up. So resilience and perseverance and determination and those gut-wrenching, I can do this. I'm not sure how. I may not have all the skills. Maybe this, maybe this screwdriver is broken or I need a different screwdriver. Go find one. Go find a person that can help fill that gap. Right, yeah, I love, I love this attitude, kind of like approaching of, you know, whatever situation you're at and whatever skills you have and whatever you want to do with yourself like you can just go out and say okay what can I do about it right yeah. and whenever you say that it's like how might I do something about my situation you can do it um, so going forward with forward with this um, with, like from your business um, like what what was the next move on your side like getting into the education market like what, what was the move there well, I was a mompreneur. I was always wanting to start something new. Um, I, I come in like the type A. I am an achiever. I love communication. I love people. I'm an extrovert. Uh, I always want to be accomplishing something new, trying something different. Well, I ended up having a lot of children. I have five children. That's and amazing. Amazing. Five. <laughs> I know five. Um, so I had five children, and, and we chose a different path with um, schooling our kids. And so that was a new thing, and it was, it was um, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to be a mom. 
I didn't know how to be a spokesperson for Disney. I didn't know how to do any of those things. But I just thought, you know what? I can learn. I can learn. I'll figure it out. It won't be perfect, but I'm sure I can figure it out. So I, I kept trying different things, and as my children aged, I would step in and out. And I think the most important thing that a lot of moms ask me is, they're afraid they're going to miss out. You know, maybe you have a sick child, or you have a baby, or some, something else happens. You don't get that promotion. And for me, what I like to tell moms is, if, if, some, if a door closes, there's going to be another door open. And I love telling moms about my story of, there were many opportunities for me. You know, I didn't become the ambassador but I got to travel for the company as an ambassador. Uh, I, was, I, put, I was a senior campaign strategist. I started many different companies. And the thing is, with everyone, there is a learning curve. So you have to grow in your role, which means you've got to give yourself patience to grow and to learn. And for me, with a mompreneur, there, that meant there were seasons. And that's kind of what I spend a lot of time talking about now is know your season. If you have a season of young children or you're starting a business, if you have a startup, you have to spend a lot more time in that, right? Because startups are hard. If you are having a baby, you know that's going to take a lot of your time. So you're not going to be able to push super hard in one area. So when you live your season well, you minimize that fear of FOMO. I'm going to miss out. No, you're never going to miss out. You're not going to miss out. You may say no, not now, but you're, you're making that decision. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, totally made sense. It totally makes sense. I mean, for the way I see it is um, like b just a couple hours ago, um, Pete from Do You Even Blog, he, he interviewed me and he asked me like, about this kind of like similar thing I told him like I have a Buddhist teacher and he told me whatever I need to do I have to make it out of determination and not greed and that's like that means the difference between greed and determination is like if if I experience if I want to get somewhere and I just don't get it right away then I suffer that's greed but if I want to get somewhere and I don't get it right away then if I'm determined I don't suffer I'm saying I'm okay with that and you keep on pushing on, that's determination. Um, and the way I see it, I have a theory that I, I came up with, like myself, like it's called the island theory. I don't know if you heard anybody that's listening it's to the podcast. So um, I think we're all on inflatable boats in the ocean. I think that's everybody, each one of us. Um, that's how we're born, and we're just going with the flow. Around us are other inflatable boats with our parents, our brothers and sisters are, are like all family f um, like you know childhood friends friends we pick up along the way um, near us near the boats we just go with the flow and our big inflatable thing is like with the biggest sign on them saying comfort zone just like flows with us and as we grow older we're just still in the flow and the school systems keep us in the flow um, our whole entire life usually keeps us in the flow. Our parents keep us in the flow. Why? Of course, they want to keep us safe. So they're like, stay in the flow. It will be okay, right? They, that's what our parents say. Like, don't get out there. It's too dangerous. And our friends want to keep us in the flow. They sometimes would not say it, and sometimes they would disguise their advice, but they want to keep us in the flow because they don't want us to get away from them. They don't want to, they're, they're afraid of us letting go. Um, so basically, most of us, 99% of the population, is just going in their inflatable boats in the ocean, 
towards the with the flow. Then the whole entire whoever is born with them and, and raised with them. The only problem is, is deep down inside we're conquerors. I think we're conquerors. We want to reach islands. We want to conquer islands. That's like us. You know, we're productive. That's us. And um, the thing is, nobody in our life usually teaches us that near our legs is a pedal. That's a problem. And, and then what we need to do is just like, we need to find that pedal. We need to pick it up. We need to start rowing towards our island. Most of us know where our islands are. It's like that way, you know, general direction. Um, but we just need to pick up and start paddling towards the island, right? And, and if we do that, then <coughs> we might actually reach our fulfillment in life. And if we don't, we're lost with the flow. Most of our life, like we're being told, we go with the flow. If you see an island nearby, you know, <laughs> in the direction of the flow, no problem, stop for a second. <coughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it's like, it's, it's pretty much like, like you know, what you said. Now, the thing is, if we are, we have partners, we're inside the same inflatable boat with them. And, um, and therefore, we need to keep in sync all the time. So we need to row the same. Because if we don't, what happens to the boat? It yeah, it's just like either, either it goes like, you know, round and round. <coughs> if, we s- if we pedal in different directions, right. if we row in dif- different directions, or it flips and we drown, that's divorce. And sometimes there are storms in the ocean. And those storms is what you talked about. It's like... And those storms is what you talked about, right? Um, it, it's the it's things that, you know, um, sometimes you just got to, you know, got to stop for a second. Put down the pedal. You don't want to s- row in the storm uh, because you will drown sometime. So you just got to say, okay, I'm just, I'll go with nature, right? And just like let it carry you and then keep rowing. I love that analogy, and I live in Orlando, so I'm an hour away from the beach. And that, the perfect analogy for that is when you're out in the ocean, if there's rough seas and you're swimming, there is what we call a rip current. And that rip current can pull you under and it can drown you. Or, and you can fight it and swim and pull trying to get your way or, you know, fight that current. Or you can let it pull you back out then swim until you get out of it. And that is a a great analogy of dealing with the pulls, the tugs, and the pushes of life that you're talking about. Um, A lot of times those rip currents, you know, you and your spouse, if you're married, you may have a different vision of how you want to get somewhere. Because to be honest with you, um, getting somewhere, achieving that goal that we set, it's not a straight direction. You know, we just don't go from A to Z, right? right? We go A, and then B may be over here, and C could be over here, and it's a zigzag motion. And, and your spouse uh, may be saying, we need to go this way, and you're going, no, 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 I need to go this way. And you have to communicate right. and say, all right, we'll go this way, or how about if we wait just a little bit, and then we'll go that way. And you, you're constantly dialoguing with, with each other back and forth, knowing that the end goal is Z. You know, the end goal is to have that business or to impact that community, uh, to see change and growth. And as an entrepreneur, one of the things I've learned is don't fight the rip current. Go with it and then swim until you can get where you're trying to go. Don't you agree? Oh, it's funny that you say that and some people listening to the podcast already know. I almost died with the rip current. (laughs) I did not know that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so um, I'm telling you the story as well um, because when I was 17... 
I got caught in rip current and I didn't know what that was. So what I did is I, I got caught with a friend. I saw two kids in the ocean getting caught. It was an, with, there was no lifeguard. Mm -hmm. And uh, this grandmother came with her two grandsons and let them off with an inflatable, inflatable um, mattress into the ocean. Like, I don't know what you were thinking, but they got carried away. And we don't know what a rip current is. We just had two kids screaming and her was screaming. She couldn't swim. Like, so we jumped in the ocean for my friend and I. We were just playing frisbee. Like, we, we didn't plan to go inside the water. But... Um, so we just jumped inside, ran inside the, the ocean, and when we swam towards them, at some point we saw they got, they like, got carried aside and back towards the beach when we lifted our heads, like we were swimming like crazy towards them. But, and we were like, huh, that's strange. All of a sudden, the ground sweeps beneath, beneath our feet, like just sweeps, like sweeps us away, mm -hmm. and we get carried into sea, and we're like, oh my God, what, what's, what's going on? Um, and it didn't feel like we're, we're caught inside some kind of storm, like some kind of like, I don't know, um, anything, any, any nature phenomena. It was just feeling like the wave, the ocean power is taking us into the sea. Um, so we tried to swim against it. So we, I tried to swim. I was in really, really good shape, really good shape. But I, when I tried to swim, it just it wasn't helping. Um, one meter forward, two meters back. And my friend wasn't in such a good shape and he went under at one stage and I got him back and then some wave came and took my glasses. I couldn't see anything. And we're like, that was really a struggle for life. And after like, I think 15 minutes, something like that, like who counted, it looks like forever. Um, we actually made it against the rip current into the, into, onto shore. Um, and it was, it was so strong. Um, we probably got I, probably I swam sideways in a way because we got out of the ripping otherwise I don't know how we made it but um, that afternoon <laughs> we were just like we laid down we started spitting water and like looking at the sky like oh my god or, um, that same afternoon I met with my, one of my friends who was a surfer and he's like Sagi are you stupid you just should have swam aside for a second just like you know five meters aside and you'll be out of the <laughs> it's a rip current why are you stupid <laughs> I'm like what I almost died today and you tell me so yeah, I mean, the, your analogy is exactly on point, so, yeah. Oh my, <laughs> my. You reminded me of something I heard actually at this conference today. People often think when you're in, in business and as an entrepreneur, there's, what's the secret? What's the magic bullet? And you just said it. Your friend just knew something you didn't know. It wasn't a secret, right? It was just knowledge you didn't know. Yeah. And so all of us are on this journey and we're all moving at different places in different in different directions really because we're all you know we're all trying to get to where we're supposed to be you know we all have a specific calling a, a desire a passion an interest a skill set and i may know something that you just don't know and i'm not keeping a secret from you it's just you don't know to ask and i don't think to tell you until after the fact and you're like all you had to do was just and you're thinking wow that's what i love about this about the entrepreneur community. That's what I love about what we do. We give, we share information. And the desire is to help you learn how to navigate something maybe we've already navigated. And then there'll be areas for you, you know, you'll be turning around telling somebody else how to navigate a rip current one time. True? Yeah. Totally true. And every time I tell the story, it's like I feel bad that I'm not going through schools. <laughs> and, you know, tell it's me like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, uh, in, yeah. I live in a city, like, where we live on the beach, like, you know, so, and so many people don't know it, like, if I didn't know it at 17, there's tons of other 17-year-olds, and basically most of the causes of death are just because of rip currents, um, we just had a, a, this, like, um, this guy was, like, in a, 
in a band. He, he was like kind of like a celebrity in Israel, and he died just because a rip current. So it's like you know people just don't know um, and what you said is exactly when I every time I give the story the, I don't like the, I'm, I give it in context of what you don't know might kill you it might kill you it might kill your business or war stuff what you don't know may have you living in life where you're not fulfilling yourself and that's like the that's why like I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm, we're talking yeah. you know like um, so like that's why I love this the, the podcast and interviewing people and like you know talking to people and that's why you're doing this as well and that's why we're all like you said entrepreneurial community we just want to help each other and uh, help each other grow so yeah that's that's why I love it I really love this thing so all right so going back to <laughs> saved everybody now <laughs> yeah um, I think that going it reminds me of something so you have a book coming out um, about growing teens with um, without debt um, and can you tell me a bit about that well one of the things when we started having children was we wanted to live a debt-free life and with five children you can imagine that's expensive yes. uh, so we just started creating a mindset within our children of the money how money how money operates it's <laughs> well go ahead well I, I'm sorry to interrupt but no, like like I have, I have, I have small kids, mm-hmm. and your book is about raising teens. But I want to ask you before that, mm-hmm. like mine are five and three, and I read, um, I read uh, Money Smart Kids, I think it was by um, Dave Ramsey and his daughter, um, and they told like give the three year old already start give him work at home. Like whoa, wait, what? Um, so and I tried, by the way, I tried. Okay. Um, and my three year old, she, you know, I just gave her to clean the the toy room like once a week. Yeah. And every time I gave her some coins and she put it in a jar and it was perfect until one week it was just gone. I, I, I take it on me in a way because I'm the parent. I could have told her, hey, we're cleaning your room right now. I don't remember what happened. Maybe she got sick. Maybe I don't remember. It's like one week we didn't do it. The week after we just, you know, and she never got back to even wanting to do that. Um, and so like, is there, how do you raise, how do you raise money smart kids from, from the get-go from okay. that age, from those ages? Well, it, I really like to talk about knowing your child, knowing their personality, knowing their strength. What motivates that child? Because every child has a different motivation. Some aren't motivated by money. They're just not. Some aren't motivated by seeing a task completed, like an achiever child. They they just want to see it done. Hey, look at me. You know, I love to talk about the five love languages because your child speaks a language of love, but your child receives a language of love. Some children will work because they want to hear you say, good job, darling. You did a really good job. And they get excited thinking, oh, really? I'll do it again so you can affirm me. Other children will do it when they don't care about that because they want to be able to do something for you or they want to see a job completed or they just want to know that if I do this job, I'm going to go watch a movie with dad. So knowing what motivates them at even a young age, knowing that there is an action and a reward. And you have to keep trial and erring. What, how, what, what motivates that child to get that particular task done? Because what you're really teaching them to do in the young ages is not so much money at three and four and five years old, but working, the joy of working. We want our kids to want to work. We, we want our kids to want to be good stewards of what you and your wife are working so hard for. I used to go to the store when they were little, and I'd buy the little 
toy broom and a little toy um, dustpan and and little bins and I wouldn't task each child I would make it appropriate for that child like a three-year-old they can pick up a small area they may not be able to do the entire room especially if it's a, a huge mess it's too overwhelming for them um, so that is kind of you introduce the concept of work early that we're a family Three things children need, three things you and I need, but three things children need, and that's safety, belonging, and identity. And I write a lot about that. Your children need to know that they're safe to fail, they're safe to try. Your children need to know that they belong in your family, that that we're doing this thing called life together. And they need to know that their identity is found in you. Because children, they need to know that um, that's why gangs are so prevalent. That's why uh, peer groups are so influential. Because they're just looking for a place to fit in. Now, when you go back to money, uh, in the younger years, I really don't focus on money when they're young until they start hitting fourth and fifth grade. Because then they can start to really equate, if I save a dollar and I go to the store and I take this little dollar out of my pocketbook or my little wallet or whatever they have, they can see the exchange and the comprehension level in the, in the brain is, is more developed. Then as they move into the teen years, then, they can, then you can say, as a family, we have this task. These, all of the family has to do some level of responsibility and chores or work because it re- we, we all have to do that. You're working X job to provide money. Mom's doing X job, whether it's managing the home or it's working or it's all. And the kids have a part of that too because why? They belong to this family and we're working together. Always make it a positive thing. So we're working together. We're going to clean up the house and then we're going to the zoo. We're going to clean up the house and we're going to go to the beach. We're going to do take care of the yard and then we're going to do X. We're going to make dinner and then we're going to enjoy dinner. And then we're all going to clean up dinner together. As they get through, as they hit start the teen years, money becomes way more important. And that's when you have to focus on the mindset. Sorry to cut you here for a second, but I'm just going back to the, to the younger ages. Like, you know, from my experience, because again, that's my experience. Yeah. And um, like... You, you mention it like and it sounds great but in reality it's like Daniel take your plate to the sink and you know what when you finish eating just clean after yourself okay no hey Daniel please gone <laughs> it already ran into the toy room um, Leah take your uh, plate into the no Daniel didn't do it and she goes and plays with dog like you know so she it's like they, they, it's like and then you get mad, You're, or you don't get mad, but you, I become affirmative, I, um, I become um, the, parent. the parent, yeah, I, I become <laughs> the, parent. the parent, like, Leah, take your plate <laughs> the voice to the off. sink, yeah, <laughs> like, and then, um, usually if I'm very uh, persistent and kind of like, a, I, I become the parent, like, they do it, um, maybe, like, by the way, the, the younger one, he's off to the toy room, getting him back would be with crying like okay. um so i'm like you know i'm, I'm lost so <laughs> um is it next time that i just try before we f- we start um dining i think i tried that as well like you know saying okay this time we're going to eat and at the end when we finish we're taking our plates to the sink same thing doesn't happen so basically like the kids are like not it doesn't seem that that they're reacting to what i'm trying to 
create, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and I didn't say raising kids is easy. <laughs> I'm just saying like, do you have a method for that maybe? Children need parenting, right? Yeah. Children naturally don't always want to do work. Children don't naturally always want to do what they're asked to do. Parents are tasked with teaching them and training them. So you're going to be, tr it's going to be trial and error. So you're going to be like, Daniel, Danielle, uh, dad told me, dad told you to take your plate and take it to, no, I don't want to take it to the plate. No, you don't understand. You don't understand, sweetie. It's not a suggestion. This is what we do. Our family, our family, mommy, daddy, you, we take our plate over here. You're part of our family. This is what we do. Let me help you. And if, if, the, if the boy is in the, in the toy closet, sweetie, I would love for you to play with those toys. Dad would love to come in and play with you. But we have to clean the kitchen first. We. And if he's crying and kicking and screaming, he'll get over it. He has to come back and realize you're the parent. You're not making him do something horrible. You're just saying we're taking the plate here from this point to this point. And as soon as we do that, we'll come back and play. And you have to continually teach and train and try different ways. And if it's beforehand, say, Danielle, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make dinner. And mom, is, mom and dad are going to make it, or however your family does it, and however your audience does it. This is how we do it. Always talk to them as, we are a family. We are a unit. This is how we do it. It doesn't matter what they see on TV. It doesn't matter what the kids in school do. This is what we do. Oh, this is what we do? Well, why don't we do it like them? Well, because we're not their family. And they have different standards. They have different responsibilities and expectations. I really think it's important. I don't think we need to get mad at our little ones. We have to teach and train them. When you realize they're resisting because they're humans. <laughs> and you're trying to get them to realize this is for your good so that our family experiences joy and peace and cooperation and all those really important character traits. So whether it's cleaning the room or it's helping you unload the dishwasher, a three-year-old can do little tasks. Take the lids out of the dishwasher and stick them in a drawer. That is something they can do. It may be two lids and it may take you 30 minutes. But eventually they will take the lids and they will put them in the drawer. But you, it's, it's kind of like an exercise in parenting. We just have to be persistent and keep reminding them this is what we do as a family yeah i mean it sounds makes total sense um i mean yeah um, they'll just give you gray hairs trying <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's like i'm um, i'm saying um i think again like my, my little ones are pretty okay yeah. like they're not you know they're, they're not crazy kids yeah. they're pretty okay um, they are stubborn, I bet. Uh, there are kids that are way more disciplined than my kids. Pretty sure, even. Um, because I'm not disciplined, like, in a way. Like, I'm a creative entrepreneur. Like, I, you know, I, okay. I, I, I don't even, like, I don't clean up the way I should. You know, that, that's my wife. She's, like, the cleaner type. Um, and she, she is not also the cleaner type. She also has her kind of, like, you know, undisciplined areas. And I have... So we're, we're not perfect. I guess no family is perfect. But I'm, like... I'm saying my five-year-old daughter, if she's not disciplined in some areas, I heard some stuff like, you know, at five years old, they shut down and that's it. Like, you know, it's kind of like, 
I bet you can always work on education, um, but do you believe that, you know, there's a certain age that, you know, you whatever you engraved in them, it's engraved and then it's really, really hard to put apart? I see what you're saying, and I, I mean, if we are critical, if we put our children down, if we belittle them or we shame them or we guilt them, making your child do a chore at three years old isn't guilting or shaming them. It's just teaching them to work. Um, no, you're not perfect. You're going to have areas of weakness. I have areas of weakness, and that's the beauty of it. Somehow, there's these imperfect parents that are going to raise these imperfect children, and we're going to experience and enjoy life together. Every day is not going to be a joy. The goal is to, you know, when they're 18. And I, I tell parents all the time, I speak around the country, and I tell parents all the time, my family had specific goals, and everything we did, filtered through those goals and one of the goals is we wanted our children when they were adults to want to be around us meaning they hit 18 and it's not see you mom and dad thanks for all the upbringing but we're going to go do our own thing we wanted our children to want to be around us let's go see a movie um what are you doing let's let's go have dinner together or can we come over and have dinner with you that was always the goal didn't mean we were a straight line. I have five children, five very different personalities. I have a left brain. We're very logical, sequential. He's now an engineer. I have an artist. Everything was outside of the box. I have a videographer, a very business-minded, creative, steady temperament. I have a, a strategic, method, um, strategic, purposeful. She measures her seconds, and she's always been like that. And then I have a carefree, everybody's, a, everybody's his friend. Those were the humans that I had to raise. Some of them wanted to do things, and others were afraid to do things. So it's, it's just this constant um, ebb and flow. It's like a dance. Mom and dad moves this way. It's how do you get your children to move this way? And how do you get your children to go with you and flow with you? And though your children are little, you're, so I'm circling back to your question about five, your children love and adore you. They, they want to listen to you. You model to them where you're trying to go. Constantly tell them, we're building a family. We're going to build a family. Constantly tell them, and I, I share this in my book, paint pictures of possibilities. Just like an entrepreneur, paint pictures of possibilities. Tell them what's coming in the next season of life. And they get excited about that. Right. Not always. But they hear it enough, and they start saying, I trust you, Mom and Dad. Right now, they trust you. They may not want you to tell them what to do, but as far as at five years old, can you ruin them for life? No, because there's these magic world. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, we're doing this, but we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to do this because we love you and because we're a family. Yeah, I love it, and I love the, the fact that um, you bring it up that you like explain the possibilities and bringing them into a life of possibilities. I think it's also true for us as entrepreneurs, in a way. We have to bring ourselves into the... That, that's why we, we had a discussion yesterday like about vision and about, you know... So we have to see where we're going. And once we see where we are going, we can... Um, we, we are motivated to get there. Um, and I have a story, a small story about that as well, reaffirming what you just said, because my daughter, when she was... Um, I think it was almost a year and a half ago, she's now five, a mm -hmm. um, year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, she didn't want to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. she, she wanted nothing to do with a bike. And I was, 
I was dreaming of like us having bike trips and stuff like that and um, and no, she didn't want a bike and, and the younger one he went with every, every toy that got wheels it was like <laughs> give me um, but she she was scared um, and she didn't want to get on, on her bike I bought her like almost every kind of bike or scooter or that you know uh-huh. she didn't just she just didn't want but she had it was time all her friends were riding uh, bikes with with um, with the with the training wheels and she didn't want to so I sat her down one day like that year and a half ago and I'm like honey listen like you know what I imagine? She's like, what, daddy? I'm like, I imagine, like, us riding in about a year from now in Yom Kippur, which is, like, the, it's the holiday in Israel where all the cars don't ride on the road. Uh-huh. So, like, we ha- all the kids and the, the families are out on the street with their bikes. So, I, I imagine us just riding in a Saturday together, just like um, you riding on your bike, Daniel riding on his bike when he will be old enough, and mom's on her bike, I'm on my bike, we'll just have a beautiful trip together, just all of us as a family and her face lit up and on that same day she said daddy let's go to the park and we brought her bike and she started riding her bicycle with the hell with the training wheels yes. yeah so and this actually just before I came to the US it was Yom Kippur just be- before I came here and um, so it didn't happen the Yom Kippur right after I told her that but um, but this Yom Kippur they both were older and old enough and um, both of them riding alone for the first time and so they took their bike and I took my skateboard and we had a trip together it was just like a footage of that and like the dream came true you know like it's, it's just amazing so yeah exactly it's plain possibilities and they light up and they actually do it so mm-hmm. yeah I'm really yeah I believe that yeah alright just wanted to take a short break here um, if you listen to this episode all the way here it means you probably find value in it right so well I wanted to just let you know that this is a weekly show and it's published First, on the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group as it's recorded live. Yes, this is a Facebook live interview and it basically allows you to interact with the speakers and myself and ask questions as we're recording the podcast and we are trying to answer all of those questions. So if you haven't already, be sure to search and join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook. I promise you, you'll find amazing value in joining this community as long as basically joining a community with a lot of other amazing entrepreneurs. So, all right, back to the episode. Kids want to know kind of like, what's the outcome going to be? If I have to load the dishwasher, what does that mean? Well, that means we're going to go for a bike ride. (laughs) Um, And when your kids are afraid, because, I mean, we get afraid, but we're old enough to kind of talk ourselves out of it. They're not. They need us. They need us to talk them through. Why are you afraid? What's the worst thing that can happen? You might fall down. And if you do, I'm there. I will be there. I will pick you up, I'll clean you off, and we'll try again. Are you, do you promise? Do you promise? I do. But, but you can't not do something because you might get hurt. You can't not do something because you might not do really good at it. We don't want to raise you know, perfectionistic children. Some children are naturally you know, perfectionistic. I have one like that. And I'm constantly having to tell that child, I write about her a lot, um, I'm constantly have to tell her, it's okay pull it's okay if this doesn't happen and we have to do that we have to do that to ourselves with our with our business colleagues with clients with our children but when we talk about money and kind of going back to that um, as as they move through the progression always tell them the why Um, I know Simon Sinek talks about that kids are just very 
you tell them why, um, think about yourself as a painter and your children as a canvas. And you're adding these colors. You know, you take a big paintbrush and you put a bold color across the bottom and that's the base. That's the foundation. That's the, the trust. I trust you, Dad. Um, I trust you as a you know business partner or as a spouse. I trust you. And then we add something else and we add all these colors and strokes to it. And then when we get to the end... We're adding little tiny colors with small little brushes. And those little details, maybe it's a tweak on our business or it's a tweak in an attitude or where our children don't spend their money wisely. As they get older, as they get older, that's an important factor, especially as they hit the teen years. Um, the teen years are critical because now they have money and they have desire. And they may want to earn that $5 and they may want to go spend it on something that is foolish. And then you have to let them. And then they realize, now I don't have the $5 to buy mom a birthday present or my brother a birthday present or I don't have enough money to buy this pencil set that I want or whatever it is. But that whole visual of of painting the picture of possibilities, giving them the reason why, letting them work. There's some work that they do that they don't get paid for because there's some work you do. You don't get paid for vacuuming the floor. (laughs) I don't get paid for vacuuming the floor. They're not either. You don't get paid for cleaning up your bedroom. You just do it because you're setting an example and you want to be a good steward of what you have. Your kids need to learn that too. However, if you want to go above and beyond, it's kind of like an entrepreneur, right? If we want to go a little above and beyond, we're going to do a little extra. And if I do a little bit extra, this is the money that's attached to it. And then tell them, if you want that $100 ticket to a concert, you want that car that you've always been wanting. Then it starts here, little bit by little bit by little bit. And I'll give you a true story. So I have a, one of my children is uh, getting married in a month. She's about 25. She is, she's double majored. But all she's had, her, like her, her career, like her career, she's 25. Um, most of her life has been anywhere between 10 and $20 an hour. That's all she's done. But she's hustled. You know, she babysat. She taught soccer. She did this. She did all these other things, trying to kind of get her bearings, trying to figure out what can I do to make a little bit more money. I cater. I do these different things. That's her background. So now here she is at 25. She has over 20000 saved at 25. And she's like getting ready to get married. And I said, you know what? Why don't you just quit for a while? Quit. Take a few months off, kind of get your house settled. You're going to get married. Enjoy the last month of your engagement. Take it, you know, because we're filming this, you know, at, at a time where some things are kind of, but I just take three months off. And she looked at me and she goes, well, what would I do? And I said, just pull a little bit out of your savings. I said, honey, you've lived wisely. You've saved half of what you've made all throughout your life. You haven't said no. You, you've said no to Starbucks every day. You said no to eating out and grabbing a $5 dinner. You threw that money in your savings account. And that means at 25, you can stop, do something else, not miss a beat or buy a house, and then pick back up. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm, I'm hearing you say that. And I'm like, I, I was raised totally not money smart. Oh, okay. I was now, I, like up until this day. If I'm like really, like, I don't know, 
I know I need to save or something then and but you know come to a point where I don't know it was a rough day with the kids or something my wife and I are like uh, we don't have you know any energy to cook anything let's order takeaway and we will order takeaway without blinking it was it's so I'm like and I know it's bad I know like we had times where we cut back we had times where we tried to be disciplined we always came back to this um, to this point of yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much afraid like you know totally being honest and vulnerable on yeah. my own show which is the place to be yeah. um, <laughs> like that but it's like I'm afraid that my kids will grow up like that as well so and, and that's exactly why I'm really interested in learning how, to, how I can raise my kids yeah. um, money smart when I wasn't raised money smart and it's like sometimes I feel I'm not doing enough to, to give them an example because it's all about example apparently uh, parental is like all about that Mom. right mm-hmm. um, so yeah so I'm like I I guess I need more discipline in my life as well you know yeah. um, because I don't want my kids to grow up in debt I, I want my kids to grow up um, like you know free to live how they want um, but my question too is like how do you limit that how do you say you know don't be cheap you know enjoy life like don't you want a Starbucks go get a Starbucks um, I mean how do you implement that um, part of like hey live life you got it only once live it alongside with hey have discipline <laughs> yeah. well we live in a society really uh, at least in America for sure where people aren't saving for retirement just like we paint pictures of possibilities for our kids when they're little we have to do that of you know what one day you're not going to be 20 in, and you're not going to be 20. <laughs> there will be a season of life, you're in your 20s, and you're going to leave the 20s. And you're going to live your life in the 30s and 40s and 50s. And see, I want you to see grandma and grandpa, you know, if you have grandparents. Or always give them examples. You know, what do you want when you are 50? What, what kind of life do you want? And when you start giving your own self, I would like to be able to go to eat or to take a family vacation and not worry that I've dipped into our savings or that I will not be able, I'll have to work like three times harder to do that. When you start thinking of yourself, if you're telling your children, hey, sweetie, we need to put away this so that we can save for later, there is a balance between, hey, you only have one life. Well, if you don't have enough money at the end of your life, how will you be living? And then you start thinking, I don't want to be on the street. (laughs) I don't want to be poor when I'm older. I want to be able to afford my life. I don't want my children to have to take care of me because I have not managed my life well. And now, because I have not managed my life well, I'm going to be now a burden to them. I wanted to live my life where when we were older, there would be an inheritance for our children so that our children could then leave an inheritance to their children. And I kept saying, when, I'm, when I was 20, this is what I want my life to be like when I'm 30 and 40 and 50 and beyond. And I always want to reserve. I don't want to live month to month. So I never feel like I'm missing out. I don't feel like, man, I can't go to Starbucks today. No, it's like, no, I'm choosing It's all in the power of our self-talk. I'm choosing to save money here. I'm choosing to not spend money here. I'm choosing not to get Chinese or pizza. 
I know, right? Because um, that's my downfall. Um, I'm choosing not to do that. Instead, what I'm going to do is we're going to have mac and cheese. We're going to have PB grilled cheese, grilled ham and cheese, grilled, you know, whatever it is. It's ramen noodles. The kids don't care. You know, as far as eating, they just want time with us. I'm going to tell you and I'll tell your audience, here's the, here's like the, as I was writing this book, I never intended to write a book about parenting teenagers. I, I just didn't. But I knew what I wanted when I had these five children. I knew what we wanted when they were older. I wanted them to want to go on vacation with us and pay their own way. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to have to pay their own way. And they do. Because they don't want to miss out. You know, when your children are little, you want those dinner times to be a, a special time. You want those family vacations or the bike rides. They don't need fancy things. They just need us. They need to know we're cheering them on. You're their biggest cheerleader, and they know it. That's what they need. And when they know that you're cheering them on, they'll do just about everything that we ask them to do. They may need some, some pushing a little bit or some encouragement or maybe some correction. Correction isn't bad. We get it. You know, we don't do something right in business and it doesn't go right. It's kind of like the natural consequences. But <clears throat> when you start thinking about, I'm modeling this for my children. And if you don't have children, what do I want when I'm older? Because you're going to be there. And all, you, all it takes is looking around at maybe your parents or friends that you know and saying, are they living the way I want to live? Because denying yourself now just means I'm socking away so that later there'll be a little extra and I can maybe take all the kids on vacation or something. Yeah, I think you're totally right with everything you're saying. I mean, like, <laughs> you should write a book about this. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... I, yeah, I, it's, it's, I agree with everything. Um, I, I do think that, like, I should give them more discipline, um, and, and I do think I should set more of an example, and, um, and yeah, I really agree with everything you're saying. I know we have to wrap this up. I just want to, um, before, before we wrap this up, I want to ask you also, like, growing up now, like you have five kids, all the number are are big now. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips for families? Like I, I know at least a lot of my friends, a lot of people in the group have small kids um, like me. Do you have any tips for like routines, regular routines uh, that maybe we should have with our kids? Like stuff that you've done that you reflect back now and you say, "Wow, this is like every every family should do this. This is so great." Um, stuff like that. I love that you asked me that. Thank you. Rhythm and routines are critical for children. Um, they learn the, the normal rhythms and, and cycles of our own life. I mean, we have seasons. We have winter, summer, spring, fall, right? Our children need to understand that after a really hard winter, maybe it's puberty, maybe it's um, a disappointment that happened, maybe it's a rough winter, spring comes. After a blistering summer autumn comes and we appreciate spring and autumn after a really rough winter and summer and when we talk about you know the tips that that we did don't underestimate the family table those conversations have those conversations be where you're listening to them you're watching their body language 
you know, who's wrestling with whom, who seems to be down or discouraged. Ask questions, not just, how was your day? Good. Okay, great. No. So how are you doing with your teacher? How are things with your best friend? How are you feeling about something, whatever it is? And it'll change as they grow. Um, Those rhythms and routines also keep the resistance down. If they know that's what we do, they're not going to fight it because it's not changing every day. Well, today we're going to clean the house, but we haven't cleaned the house in two weeks, so why today? Right? Right? So we're going to clean the house every week or on Thursday. We're going grocery shopping. They get conditioned to this is what we do. This is why we do it. Let's go along with the family because we're doing life together. The other thing is pick a couple of traditions. For us, we make Christmas cookies. It's just something we do. Dad and I make the cookie dough. We roll out the cookies. I I usually make the dough. He rolls the cookies and cuts them. We bake them, get them all ready. And now my children are are all adults. They don't have to come. But when I tell them, hey, guys, when do you want to decorate cookies? Okay, let's pick a date. And they will all change their schedules to come over because they've done it for decades now. And be thinking about whether it's a beach vacation or a mountain hike. They don't have to be expensive things. Bike, I love that you said, we're going to go on a bike ride. Find those few things. Don't underestimate the family table, you know, just those conversations and late night talks at, when you're sitting on the, on the corner of their bed, listening to them talk. There's safety in that. Remember what I said earlier. They need, we all need, but children need three things. Safety, they need to know their heart is safe with their parents. You're the one place they can tell their secrets to, and you're not going to make fun of them. You're not going to put them down. You're not going to tell them, oh, that's so silly. That's stupid. No, you're going to say, I understand. The other thing is they need to know they belong. This is where they belong, and they need to know where they fit in, their identity. If they're not, they find their identity within their family unit. If not you, then who? Somebody will take that place. Don't let somebody else take the place of where you are. And so by establishing the rhythms and routines of life, picking just a few, it could be an Easter if you celebrate Easter. It could be a, you know, whatever special holiday. It could be a religious holiday or a school project or just, you know, every spring we're going camping. They come back, and as I wrote this book, I interviewed all of the children, and I asked them what mattered to you. And the things that I would not have thought mattered, mattered. And one of them was that we were always at their sport games, their sporting games. We were always there. They knew we were there cheering them on. Be your child's greatest cheerleader and make sure they know it. Awesome. And what a great way to wrap this up. Like, <laughs> right on point. Um, thank you so much, Connie. Um, and um, can we talk about TED? TEDx? Oh, yeah. That kind of goes back to our, our other conversation because, to, to be honest, we've really covered two different areas, and, and your audience is doing the same thing. They've got this career track, this <laughs> entrepreneur track, yeah. but then they have this other track called life, <laughs> a spouse. They have a significant other. They have children. They have parents. They have in-laws. They have friends. We have more. We're multidimensional. We're not just one-dimensional people. And so that kind of goes back to the whole thing. I started at Disney. I didn't know where that was going to lead. I was so young. 
I didn't know the opportunity. So as we think about, you know, we've talked about families and money and things like that, entrepreneurship. But I really think it's really important because what you're doing now, you know, you told me your story, you're, you're gotten, you've gotten some coaching, they're helping you to get to the next level, you're seeing the growth and change. Always be willing to pivot and keep the door open to possibilities. All right. So literally just this last month, here I am busy doing my thing. You know, you talked about social media examiner and here we're at this conference and I'm speaking all over the country and I'm writing a book. But out of nowhere, I get an email saying, hey, we would like for you to pitch an idea for a TEDx talk. What? A TEDx? Are you kidding? Who has that happen? And so I, I, so we're in the process of developing a TEDx talk on a specific element that is it's going to relate to home and family. Because one thing you, I didn't tell you is I left the corporate world 30 years ago. And I've been working out of my home ever since. My husband left the corporate world 22 years ago and we run an engineering firm out of our house and Disney's our primary client so always keep your mind open for opportunities and and walk toward them don't be afraid the door might close don't be afraid there will be a door that opens yeah Yeah, I love it Um, and like how do you get an email from TEDx like how like usually you have to reach out and go through process and they're like they reached out to you through who like, did it, was it a mutual friend? Was Like, how did it happen? Man, I love this interview because you're giving me time to really talk about unpacks the realities. It all has to do with building a relationship. Yeah. You know, as you and I are talking, uh, we have formed a relationship over the last bit of time. When you are authentic and you're real and you desire to truly pour into others, and it's not just, maybe if I get to know him, I can get something from him. Hmm, mindful and ruthless. Hmm, let me just figure out what I can get from him. People can feel, in, I mean, somebody who's not real or authentic, or they're only out for themselves, that turns people away. Be a giver, be generous, care about other people. So how did I get this from TEDx? How did I get the Disney thing? How did I get the social media? I didn't go to social media examiner. They Facebooked me, hey, I saw you, da, 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 da. I've been stalking you. <laughs> I've been watching you. I like what you're doing. So when we leave a trail behind us, and I, I call that our footprint, and we, everything we post, everything we say, every communication that we have, do we leave that other person feeling like we've made a deposit in their life? And this particular situation, I happen to know people that are involved in that. And I had no idea. I was a leader. I was, uh, I'm a leadership coach. And this young person, a young person, he's, he's about the age of one of my children. And I met him. I was just, we were in this program together. And I just asked him a question. So what do you do? And he was like, eh, he didn't really tell me what he did. And then he said, well, I drive for Uber. And I'm like, what? You drive for Uber? And you're, I didn't understand it. But he was very humble. He didn't come in and say, I did this, this, and this. He was very humble, and I was just like a friend. Oh, well, that's really cool. I don't care what you do. We don't assess people's value on their what they do. What you do is just what you do. That is not who you are. That does not define you. Because today you may be jobless, but tomorrow you may be a CEO. So you never, you always talk to the person in front of you 
as if they're the most important person in the world. You don't assess their value on their zeros or their title because you can always learn something from them. And that's how, so I met this person over a year ago, had no idea. I just thought it was fascinating. I shared my life, my story. I was kind. We built a friendship. We had, you know, we did things within our class. And it's when the need arose because of the kindness and because of my story, I was top of mind. So it all comes back to us just like you asking me, Connie, let's, let's do this. Or me saying, hey, let's do this volunteer thing. Just keep looking for ways to make deposits in people's lives. And they don't forget. People forget what you do, but they never forget how you make them feel. Love it. You, how, every time you finish talking, it's like a mic drop. It's like a... Like <laughs> no, yes, yes, thank you. But, oh, my God. Um, yeah, so, like, Connie, really, like, thank you so much. I think... Um, I bet you made a huge deposit in everybody's lives I right now. So, um, so I, I love this, uh, this interview because I, I didn't get to talk to a lot of people about parenting as well, like, you know, about the life aspect of things. And, um, and I love that you said also kind of like, you know, every person you talk to, just don't judge them by where they're working because a lot of us in this industry are like, uh, wait, why are you doing Oh, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. You're just like an Uber driver or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> no, I, 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 I know. It's like... Well, I didn't tell you. Um, so the rest of that story is that person that was driving an Uber just wanted to, to have, to experience what disruptive technology, disruptive, um, you know, advancements was like. So that's why he wanted to do the Uber. He wanted to experience it. But what I didn't know is he had recently um, sold a company for millions of dollars. And, and, and you would have never known that. And that's why I say you never, you never size up a person by how they talk, how they look. I know those are important. But when you have the mindset of it's not what you do, it's, not who, it's, it's treating people as if I'm not better than you. I'm just, we're just, you know, all on this journey. I might be a little further ahead in one area, but you may be 10 times ahead in another. Um, and that's the same with true with when we raise our children. We want our children to have that mindset as well. Um, and I think that's just really important. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, Connie, thanks so much. This was, this was great. Um, and good luck with your TEDx talk. Good luck with your book. I'll be cheering. Thank you. Um, uh, and, of course, when it's out, let me know and we'll share it. We'll share it uh, in the group. We might go even live just like you say. Everybody, like, the book's out. Get it. Yeah, and uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, sure. Um, so what's, what's the book called? So the title of the first book is Parenting Beyond the Rules. We always have rules. <laughs> rules are needed. But there's more to parenting than just the rules. And I love to focus on that, just like the things I've shared with you. Um, we want to paint the pictures of possibilities. That's why we parent beyond the rules. Awesome. Love it. Love it. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting to see it. I'm waiting <laughs> to see it out. I'm waiting to see the TEDx talk going to be really awesome and uh we'll share it in the in the facebook group uh if you're not in the mindful and ruthless facebook group i really recommend you to join because this podcast is not only out there on itunes it's also usually live in the facebook group every tuesday so connie thanks so much for coming like really thanks this so was so much. fun the great great uh interviewing you it was like just talking i really enjoyed it um and everybody have a great day night wherever you are in the world and i'll catch you on the next episode 
And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would love if you could help me out and please rate this on iTunes. This is a new podcast, so reviews on iTunes go a long way. And also ensure that more people will just get to enjoy it. You only have to do this once, not every episode, and it has a tremendous impact. Also, if you haven't yet, I would love to invite you to join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook, where I host this show live and also share so much more with the members of the community. This will be a chance for me to get to know you better, and I love connecting with my audience. All right, so until next time, remember to be mindful and ruthless. Ruthless with your gut feeling. Ruthless with your journey. Don't let anybody take you off your path, my friend. Keep on, and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace! And for me, what I like to tell moms is, if, if, some, if a door closes, there's going to be another door open. With everyone, there is a learning curve, so you have to grow in your role, which means you've got to give yourself patience to grow and to learn.